out across the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the Free Zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the Free Zone. Danny Katz is a journalist, author, and quantum languaging consultant devoted to teaching rebels, free thinkers, and visionary badasses on how language creates reality. This is more understandable how language can empower and uplift and inspire to transform the world to be more wonderful. So in response of the wellsprings of demand, Danny is offering this one last live version of Pop Propaganda. The course teaches students how to discern the language coming through the media sphere while resourcing uh, these with tools that will allow them to think critically as they watch this propaganda into their brains and decipher this truth while cultivating quantum language skills that will allow them to use language to up, uh, uplift and empower themselves. So this is a time we need this. This is the most important subject out there. As far as I'm concerned, the propaganda that we are witnessing is beyond bounds. It's amazing and astounding to watch. And I can't wait to dig in. So please welcome to the free zone, Danny Katz. Hey, Danny. Hey, Freeman. Thanks so much for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's really looking forward to this topic. I mean, my God, I can't believe what's going on. I, I, I've been watching propaganda uh, the, the the arm of the propagandist out uh, since the early 90s. Yep. I, I remember when Fox was considered the most satanic, evil news or TV station out there. And it was mostly because of Married with Children and their depiction of the family unit. And this, I'm, I mean, if, if people get, wrap their minds around the fact that there was a massive disturbance in the force by married with children that this upset people greatly and you look at the world today you, look, you, know, you can't even imagine people being upset about that no that's crazy because they were they were like a solid nuclear family who who were together and even like for all of the flaws that they had you know they were intact they were loving parents um and I mean, look how far we've come in terms of the demoralization campaign. It's totally nuts. It's it's astounding. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't run into that many normal people, so I never really get a pulse of. I mean, I hear it, <laughs> you know, I hear the programming come straight out of their heads and uh, it's it just it's flabbergasting to, to witness the, how this has all worked out. But uh, man, they've had so long to engineer this moment. Um, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been happening so slowly for so many years. I think we definitely saw like a dramatic uptick in 2013 under Obama when he did away with the Smith-Munt Act. And then it was like, oh, we don't have to pretend we're not propagandizing you guys. Um, so I, I, you know, I can see a distinct difference between media pre-2013 and post, but still, um, it's been a constant, never-ending onslaught. And then when you and I were kids, you know, there were what, like five channels, seven channels, nine channels, you know, after midnight, it was snow on the screen um, to where we are now, where it's a 24-7 onslaught from every possible direction. You know, it, it takes a lot of like conscious determined effort to decide we're going to protect the sanctity of our minds, our critical thinking and our attention. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, Lordy. And now you can even go back, <laughs> you know, with uh, all these paper channels, Netflix, Paramount, things like that. Go back and watch all the early propaganda if you missed it and, and get re-indoctrinated from there as well. It's, oh, uh, completely, completely. Astounding. Yeah, it's astounding, which is why, you know, I had because I'd been focused for the majority of my career on teaching adults and cluing them in to how propaganda works, how language is being weaponized, um, how divide and conquer was really being amped up through all the woke stuff. And then after 
Biden was installed as our quote unquote president, I just realized, okay, it's probably too late for the adults. <laughs> now I'm going to focus my attention on the teens and the kids so that this doesn't happen again. Um, which has been great. And I just, you know, when I'm teaching the teens, I have them bring in, what are you listening to? What are you watching? You know, like, so they bring in everything that they're giving their attention to, and then they get to learn how they're being controlled and enslaved. And it's really gratifying with the teens because their brains are so malleable. You know, I'm never telling them what to think, merely how to think. And it's really beautiful to see of their own accord. Well, they'll just like, very organically put their indoctrination down once they see how they're being manipulated. Um, I look forward for adults <laughs> cluing in just as quickly as the teens have been. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, they are so malleable. It's it, and they they don't want to believe any of this stuff either. They feel that falsity. That's been one of the things that happens uh, to disperse the children from the adults was this idea that authority when when authority is proven wrong uh then there's rebellion and that's uh usually what happens is uh people start to realize their teachers are people or the police are people or uh or even their pastor that's a big one when when you're in church and you've been idolizing this person and then they do something you know, bad or just you know human and right. uh, suddenly all your your dreams and and all your thoughts and idols are crushed, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it's something that has to happen for us to be authentic in upside down clown world. But I, I think it's a travesty what's happened in terms of double sneak and, and the weaponization of the idea of rebellion. That now, right. you know, you have these, it's not so much the teens I see as like the 20 and 30 something somethings and their big rebellion is to do whatever the corporations and government tells them to do. <laughs> it's just so odd. It really is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's an overwhelming attack. Uh, that's what's really going on because we're being attacked by all sides. This is modern warfare. People are used to bombs and bullets and troops in the streets but this is the current form of warfare and with the propaganda that we're seeing you know with transgenderism and transitioning and gender affirming surgeries uh depopulation is happening without the use of bullets and bombs of course and people are willingly choosing to depopulate themselves you know and that, that's why I, I got to give it to the propagandists like they're doing a great job. I, I never thought that they were going to pull it off to this extent where people are willingly injecting themselves with murder, willingly uh, having, you know, like handing over their children to have their genitals cut off. You know, it's it's really nuts. The trans thing is. Um, I mean, I feel like that one's one of the most destructive. I mean, the whole demoralization and the sexualizing of children is just devastating and heartbreaking. But I feel like if I was reading a book about a civilization that was offering up their children for these, you know, medical procedures to switch their genders, I would be like, that's insane. I can't even, you know, like, I, I don't think I would believe it. Um, and then the fact that that's being elevated to this like privileged class where we're supposed to revere. And then you have, you know, people who've taken the bait, like protecting men as though they're women. And this is a women's rights thing. Like it's it's also crazy at some point. I just feel like I have to tap out and I'm like, I can't even take it seriously. It's gone to such a crazy place. How do we have, you know, legit intelligent conversations about such absurdity? Yeah, when the woman of the year is a man. Right. <laughs> it's, it gets a little difficult. Right. <laughs> MMA fighters beating up women. Yeah, just, oh my Lord. It's it, it's astounding. It's fascinating and sad at the same time. But yet I sit here and I'm just flabbergasted and, and fascinated by how easily it's done. It's just. I thought it was something in the 80s when they got us all to wear pastel colors and neon colors, <laughs> you know? I was like, right. oh, they finally got a hold of us now. Yeah, see how goofy we can make everyone look. Uh, but boy, there's that, nothing now. 
Well, and I also don't think it's an accident that like all that fashion has come back during this time. You know, it's like the, you you really want to embrace the worst of pop culture um, <laughs> and try to reband brand it as something worthwhile. Um, I mean, it does seem to go hand in hand with what we're living through. But yeah, it's super disturbing for sure. So what do you do with uh, your prop propaganda, pop propaganda course? Um, with the course, I it starts off with, you know, teaching the teens a basic understanding of how this world works. And, you know, with gentleness and compassion, explaining the matrix, explaining that this whole hierarchical culture is dependent upon their disempowerment, their shitty self-esteem, um, you know, their addiction to consumption and dopamine. And so explaining from the get-go how the system is preying upon them and needs them in a weakened, disempowered state um, so that they just understand a lay of the land, right? And so at the same time as I'm breaking down the various propaganda techniques, you know, and I'll go through the sort of energetic setup. So one week we'll focus on lack and limitation and, and like how the propagandists will take advantage of the frequencies of lack and limitation and, and really driving in the idea that you're not enough unless you have this purse, this car, this, this, you know, and just breaking down the, the kind of um, like psycho-emotional um, distortions that are being created through the media. And then at the same time as I'm teaching them how media manipulation is working and all the different ways that it's coming through, if it's activism, if it's religion, if it's common core curriculum, if it's, you know, their favorite influencers, also teaching them tools to build confidence, to build their self-esteem, to build their sovereign agency, because, you know, it's certainly one thing to understand the propaganda techniques and how they're working, but to really render us solid and impervious to all that kind of fuckery, it takes a strong self-esteem, a strong sense of will, um, a, you know, developed authenticity where we don't need to fit in to be like everyone else. Like we're cool being our own unique selves. So I have all those things going concurrently so that by the time they finish the 10 weeks, um, they know how propaganda works. They understand, you know, and I don't, I never tell them like, don't watch, you know, don't watch these things, but watch them with like a where's Waldo perspective where it's like, you know, the propaganda is going to be in there. So just make it a game of finding it, um, which they do. So, so they come out of it, not just clear as to what propaganda is, how it's working, how the system has been set up to screw them over, but also with, with stronger confidence in their ideas, their opinions, who they are, their preferences, um, so that they can walk through the world as sovereign empowered badasses who aren't going to be fucked over by this dying construct. Yes. <laughs> Well said. Thanks. Yes. Uh, Lord. Uh, yeah, it would be so hard to be a child today. I mean, I I didn't learn about sex for a long time. You know, I was good uh, deep into my high school years before I'd ever even uh, seen what sex was like. And oh. now it's just, you know, at four years old or two years old. And that's got to have a massive effect. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just feels like a, a level of child abuse to like, you know, I felt like when, you know, when we were kids, I saw around me, I'm like, they're stealing our innocence too young, you know, so I was like, kind of the prude, immature one, who's, you know, I, I was a pretty, um, like, wise little girl. And I was like, no, 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 I have the rest of my life to deal with all that nonsense. I want to ride my bike. I, I want to be a kid as long as possible. And, and I was already going against the grain in choosing that for myself. And I see what kids are going through now. I was talking to one of the parents yesterday who's, um, he has a 13 year old who's taking my pop propaganda class and he has an 11 year old girl and he they have a rule in the house where they take the kids phones at night um and so he he had his 11 year old daughter's phone and he saw that she was sexting 
with a peer in school. And he was, he was literally crying as he was telling me and, and just like the depth of despair for a father, you know, to find this evidence of his 11 year old daughter's innocence being completely trashed by this demented, demoralized socialization that's being foisted upon the kids. Um, it was really heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 I mean, 11 years old, I was like making up dances with my friends in the bushes and like playing make believe <laughs> yeah. and and totally happy to be doing that. So I can't imagine to be thrust into that conversation. I mean, even like we didn't I mean, yes, porn existed, but it was like, you know, I didn't sneak one of my dad's VHS tapes till I was like a senior in high school. It was like you know, you'd catch a glimpse of a little bit of nipple in Playboy was like such a big deal or seeing Phoebe Cates in, you know, Topless and Fast Time in, at Ridgemont High was such a big deal. Yeah. But now all that stuff is just smeared all over. Um, and to, to just think of the largesse of what that's doing to our kids' minds and how it's shaping them and what it's teaching them about how to relate it's it's just some heavy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would uh i would recommend going back to 1998 and watching the real world i did this just recently and i've brought it up on almost every show since um but it was just so fascinating to watch when you watch from 98 up till like 2012, like you were saying, when there was a shift in 2013, I noticed a shift in 2012 in the programming on the real world where sexuality became far more open. Like the you go back to 98 and it's very innocent. There's none of that. But by 2012, forget about it. It's all about the sex and hooking up, you know, becomes just uh, Netflix and chill. And it just becomes this uh, simple thing. And then you toss into this whole system you know, the open sexuality that, that they brought out and then throw in the um, the dating apps where oh. you can just swipe left or swipe right and, you you know, nobody's good enough. Right. They never will be. No. And it's, and it, it's like there's a, there's seemingly this endless array of potential holes to penetrate or, you know, rods <laughs> to be penetrated by. Like, it's so dehumanizing, the swipe, swipe, swipe. And I feel like it's definitely taking a toll in the real world landscape where, you know, we have less and less skills and, you know, strength of character to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with meeting new people or getting to know new people. I mean, it's really working against us as a populace. And I'm, and I feel like, you know, Gen Xers were always kind of retarded about, you know, masculine, feminine relatedness to begin with, you know, we had, we're the Pluto and Libra generation. We were the, you know, second wave feminism kids who grew up in the, you know, single parent households where, you know, men were expendable and disposable. So we already had those challenges going on. Um, you know, so for our generation, I just see it getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, for the other generations, it's just like, a freaking massacre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even know where to be in this one. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that I grew up what I did. It was, it's funny to think of the 80s as an innocent time now. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm really glad for the youth that I had. And so that really set the platform for who I am now. And I've never let that little inner child out. As a matter of fact, I keep a crystal ball over here with my little smiling face when I was like nine years old. Aww. And I look at him and I want to please that little boy. You know what I mean? I want to live his dreams. And that's what inspires me to keep going. Yeah, I feel the same. And I feel like Freeman, you and I talked about this on our last show that we did together about like keeping our childhood innocence alive and how it does seem to be easier for those of us who, you know, didn't choose to breed or, or do that thing. But I feel like there's this fiction in our culture that like we mature 
are out of certain ages and they're gone. But the reality is, is that life evolves to transcend and include every level that came before. So you still are that nine-year-old boy, you know, like you can access him at any time, which you know, and that's why you're keeping him alive, you know, in this crystal ball. I, I have a picture of like seven-year-old gymnast me and her team leotard, you know, doing this <laughs> silly little pose. And she inspires me with her fire and her courage and her whatnot. But I feel like that's an, that's another program that we've been, you know, a lot of us have been strong armed into believing that to be an adult means letting go of all of those parts. And it has to just be like responsibility and seriousness and 401ks and well, how many more, you know, moments do I have to like kick the bucket? And it, you know, it's this very like linear, this linear conveyor belt that's moving us you know, from birth to death, which is itself this giant fiction. And I think probably one of the biggest fictions and enslavement mechanisms under which we're living is the complete distortion of time on this planet and how many of us have internalized that and then are choosing to live out this kind of linear birth to death lie. Um, that I felt, you know, part of my work in this world is to, you know, through languaging and the languaging of eternity and teaching people about the mortality codes embedded in, lang in language, helping to liberate us from that fiction among so many others. Right. Very good. Yeah. It got me thinking about AI and I was just doing a show on that and it, it created a language that was time fluid. Oh, but what I, does that mean and how does that how does that show up yeah i didn't read uh what it had written i mm -hmm. just read about it uh but the idea that time being fluid so the tenses uh in the language that it had written were either you could you, you could read it before after or during you know mm. it's it just uh of course, you'd have to learn this language first, but it it figured out the etymology and everything. I mean, it's it, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's something pretty big and paradigm shattering in in that, and um, that's why this is this. So this propaganda class that I'm teaching, which starts next week, is the very last live one that I'm teaching because there are so many you know new programs and books that are always wanting to come through me. Um, so next on the list to focus on is the language of eternity and helping people understand how by using language that um, is coded with these mortality codes that we are directing our bodies to age in ways that it doesn't really have to. Huh. Um, um, but you know, that's, that's a wormhole for another show. Right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I never grew up and it shows. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Nobody believes I'm 56 years old. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't even believe it. Like, you know, it's just a number. I never had those conditions. I never had that plan. I just got in my vehicle and left and, you know, just lived life day after day after day. Every day was something new, something fascinating. I had no game plan. And I think that's important for people to to realize, too, because get the schedule, right? Yeah, you're going to grow up, then you get an occupation, you got your career, and then you get old and you die. And you don't have to live that way. I've lived my entire life in, in limbo, <laughs> never knowing where I was going to be or what was going to happen. And everything has worked out better than I could have ever planned. Yeah, but that takes a, like, a, it takes a lot of courage, right? It takes a lot of surrender, right? There's, there's a lot of like feminine surrender in that willingness to trust the multiverse and to let it move you without trying to control it. Um, and it also takes a really strong sense of self because you know that you're at home in yourself so you can go where the winds blow you. And again, going back to, you know, how most people are indoctrinated, um, you know, through this system, most people don't have that strength of character that allows them to do that, which I, I think is kind of the number one thing that we're up against is people's lack of self-empowerment and self-esteem to trust themselves as their own authority. And I think that's what really differentiates those of us who are walking a path of sovereign agency 
um, from those who like to follow the rules and be told what to do by psychopaths who hate them. <laughs> yes. <I> mean, <laughs> we look at our current administration and when I see someone like Nancy Pelosi, I see someone that never left the high school consciousness. No, no. The, the whole political system seems like just one giant insider click of like empty, shallow douchebags who convince themselves that they deserve their positions. Yes. Yeah. And I'm starting to see, um, you know, producer Steve and I were talking about this last night, but like I'm starting to see this coming out of the health freedom movement, which is just it's been another layer of like, oh, wait, they're they're just another iteration of this same like unqualified uh, high school clique that doesn't really have the integrity necessary to hold those positions but because it, they now have this like clickish vibe and and the the pr behind them to make it seem like they're doing the right thing now, now they get to lead everyone off of a terrible cliff so it's just been another layer for me of like oh another batch of hope just went down the toilet as i'm seeing what this really is god how cocky is dr fauci i mean oh i just to see his face and when it dawned on me that it was him that destroyed my life in the 80s with the AIDS scare. You know, it's interesting to have lived through that and then to witness the COVID scare because, I mean, it was life altering. All right, guys, it was. I was afraid uh, and I didn't want to know whether or not I had AIDS. So I, I completely altered my life and just stopped having sex altogether because I didn't know if I had it and I didn't know if the other person had it. So their programming worked on me big time when AIDS came out. I think it worked on all of us. There was that terror and like that, you know, we all lived through that. And then for anyone who's in the dating pool now, I mean, the numbers and the likelihood of potential heterosexual partners having AIDS in the 80s does not compare to how many people just injected themselves with gene altering murder in the past three years. Yeah. That was something I just. And, yeah. And, and yet, you know, here they are. It's all happened. I mean, when we look at just the bold faced lies. OK, so January 6th, right? <laughs> Not a single police officer died on January 6th. Not a single police officer died on January 6th. Five Trump supporters died at the hands of police on January 6th, but not a single police officer died. And yet every time they come out on the news about January 6th, they say, and five officers died on January 6th. And it's just a complete farce. I had another example and I, I kind of lost it getting into January 6th. But yet, you know, it doesn't matter to them is the point that if the truth is out there, it really doesn't matter to them at all. It's amazing to watch. Well, because they can, I mean, what they're getting away with at this point, like the fact that you can actually say on mainstream television, a bald face lie that five officers died in something that they're branding an insurrection. Like at this point, if that word is in someone's vocabulary, I'm like, I don't need to finish this conversation. Right. <laughs> if you're using that word unironically, we're not done. blaming Biden. Right? <clears throat> you say, yeah, there was an insurrection. There was a coup. It was called Joe Biden and, and the current administration. Right. But sure. There absolutely was an insurrection. But yeah, sorry. Right. But yeah, this level of of absolute lying is totally off the charts. But I'm I mean, the thing with with Fauci is, you know, watching this LBGTQRSTUV community um, gather around, you know, this mainstream narrative of what's going on. And it's like, wait, don't you remember AIDS? Like, we were alive when that happened. So why would you give any credence or allegiance or confidence in this murderer who killed countless, you know, how many people with AZT that he profited on? I mean, not to mention PEPFAR, which he set up as the government's money laundering arm under Clinton. And they have like billions of dollars unaccounted for. And you can see videos of Fauci bragging about he was the one who created PEPFAR, which is the only government program that is somehow immune to audit when they've when they when there's so much money missing through PEPFAR. I mean, this guy's evil to the core. But then you have, you know, 
the people who are at the forefront of the health freedom movement calling out Fauci and doing all this great work for that one tiny narrative and that one op, which you and I know all too well, is part of a much larger, more nefarious plan. But because of, you know, the the important truths that they're speaking about that, now they're getting passes on a lot of like, really concerning trans transhumanist um, agendas that seem to be running through that community. But with what's, you know, gone on the past few months with the virus, no virus conversation, if you mention or, or question some of the conflicts of interest happening around the squelching of that conversation, um, then you're accused of being divisive. You're accused of like, you know, ruining the movement. So there's this other op emerging you know, from the so-called good guys who have been calling out Fauci and the bad guys, which is just muddying the space even more. Hmm. Yes, factions. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like my thing around movements at this point, I feel like once you name something a movement, it's already an op. Like my, my divine right to not let the government inject murder into me isn't a movement. It's an unassailable fact that I don't even want to be discussing with people, you know? Um, yes. So I think when we take these things that are that are just like divine truths and then we twist them into movements, now it calls into question what should have never been called into question in the first place, which makes me suspect of anyone who's creating a so-called movement. I agree. It's just life. right? It's just living. Yeah. It's just uh, sovereignty. It's just being me. And uh, yeah, it's not because I listen to some talking head that you don't like and or, you know, I didn't need anyone to tell me that this was bad. I, I figured that one out on my own. And the moment that you're uh, saying that you you don't believe in any of, of these things, then you're put into one camp or no, oh, you listen to too much of this or you listen to too much of that. And it's like, no, it's just me watching the world. Uh, just because somebody that you don't like agrees with me, it doesn't matter. It's not their idea I'm taking on. Right, right. And I, you know, for a while, I was kind of, you know, I was excited about what was emerging in 2020, 21 with, you know, the the entities that were pushing back and the, the people who were pushing back and putting out great content, but realizing like how most of them only started to wake up to this in like 2018, 2019, 2020, and realizing like, whether they're on the take and shilling for the transhumanist profiteers who are trying to squelch the no virus conversation, um, or they're just like ignorant and totally innocent, like the conspiracy theorists need to get a lot more credit right now because I feel like we're the only ones who really understand what's going on. And we continue to get pushed to the back of the room. Um, by people who know so much less and i'm i'm just starting to get more and more annoyed with you know the whole quote-unquote freedom space yeah does it do you have that yes yeah uh, yeah there's there's part of me that just wants to back out <laughs> like right you guys have at it uh this is all too crazy for me uh, one level is just everybody making everything into a conspiracy theory and uh, you don't even need facts and resources anymore. You can just state things and then, right. you know, see if people follow along and they generally do. Right. Um, so it has gotten, you know, I see a big difference between those of us that were came up in this through books and then right. those of us that came up through the World Wide Web. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's a key differentiation point. And I have, you know, because I, you know, was one of the writers on Plandemic 2, and I, I know a lot of people in that particular community. And right now, you know, it's it's really splitting apart. And there's a lot of infighting around this virus, no virus conversation. And so you have the people who've been moved to the front of the room in the health freedom community who've only started to wake up in the past few years and they understand a little bit and i can't help but notice that the large you know preponderance of them are like very good looking white men um and they're the ones who are saying like no we can't have the no virus conversation um because the public isn't ready to deal with that and my thing is like well who are you to decide what the public like how much truth the public can handle or not 
you know, like that, that's pretty arrogant. And then going back to, again, like super basic Hegelian dialectic, where like, if we're not allowed to question the so-called problem that is creating this whole mess that we're in, then there will always be a need for new and better quote unquote solutions, like the vaccine Steve Kirsch is funding and Robert Malone is making, you know, so, when you look at someone like Steve Kirsch, who you know made his billions creating digital currency for the central banks and is heavily invested in one touch digital ID and this quote unquote newer, safer vaccine, and you see he's paying, you know, everyone who's working for children's health defense is now being paid by Kirsch, who stands to make a lot of money off of this new vaccine. And, you know, I can't say digital ID is gonna be part of it, but it seems likely that it could be. And, you know, why all of a sudden is free speech being squelched in this community around this issue? Uh, I find it really disturbing. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they're getting to the point where they're injecting now the vaccinations into our food and into right. the vegetables and cows and um, people are begging for it. It's, it's getting dangerous out there. I think I'm ready to just start eating my sprouts. And <laughs> right. It's time to break out the seed trays, our emergency apocalypse seed trays. <laughs> it really is. It really is time. Man. Yeah, I've been, I just did another nine day fast and I'm like, I got to get back into my fasting regimen because I'm going to be eating much less moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Some spirulina tablets, maybe. You got to wonder just to go back to the idea of this propaganda, do people really think that there was just this many trans people hiding in the closet somewhere? Or can they not see that this was an agenda that was promoted and created and, uh, you know, turned people to, and when you got three-year-olds talking about binary genders, um, I, I just don't understand how people can think this is organic. No, but see, I mean, the basic, I think the basic fallacy there is assuming that people think. So <laughs> and anyone who quote unquote thinks this is organic no longer has thinking capabilities. You know, th th they are being programmed to parrot this ridiculousness. But yeah, I mean, all of a sudden everyone's trans, but it's only in America, right? Like are people trans in Nigeria? Are people having like pronoun arguments? Right. in Calcutta, you know, like, like, cause, cause the same people who are so down with that whole narrative are also down with like, well, we should renounce our privilege, but this is like, this is the most privileged conversation happening on the planet with, with the amount of destruction and murder and genocide going on. You're going to waste time getting hung up on pronouns and, and that, you know, this school shooter was just dead named. Like, that's how far off the rails we've gone? Yeah, well, you know, she wouldn't have shot all her. He, she <laughs> wouldn't have shot all those people if you hadn't, uh, you know, if you'd just been nice to her. Right. It has nothing to do with, like, the insane amount of pharmaceuticals coursing through that bloodstream. Right. Yeah, the hormones have nothing to do with it. Don't worry. This is not. Uh, and also just the basic notion of of that big pharma cares about us like this is just a giant push to get people on the big pharma titty and once again you have regular systems defending big pharma's interests you know th that's who benefits you know that's the only entity that benefits from this trans op is you know the lizards who need us um hating one another and blaming one another and then big pharma yeah, uh, certainly not humanity. <laughs> no, definitely not humanity. Yeah, I went through, I done, started digging into the trans op in 2012 because I was living in Santa Fe and there were a lot of trans people here. And I was like, I would see trans people and I didn't, you know, I didn't have any ill will or whatnot, but I would have these strange visceral reactions because I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. This is a six foot five man wearing a tube top 
and short shorts with an Adam's apple and pink nails and like a bra strap hanging out. And I'm like, it's just so much cognitive dissonance, you know? And it's like, I don't get what I'm looking at. So I started digging in and doing interviews with the trans people in town just so I could start to understand and like feel better about it, right? And then I um, started digging into research and I was just looking at gender reassignment surgery. You know, at that time I was writing an article and seeing it through the lens of the gene keys, which is this kind of dense spiritual transmission. But it was around that time that I was researching it that there was this big deal that Laverne Cox, who was, you know, the trans person on some television show was doing an interview with Katie Couric. And it was a big deal because Katie Couric was so mainstream. And this was like, you know, the most visibility a trans person was having. And I happened to be researching this article at this time. So I tuned in and there was a moment in the interview where Katie Couric asked Laverne Cox, you know, like if Laverne had cut off I, I feel weird about the pronouns. It's very confusing, right? Like I don't, I'm just hearing myself tell the story to you and it's like, I'm dancing around the he, her and I just keep <laughs> repeating this person's name because it's just so odd. So Katie asks Laverne what's going on between the legs and Laverne gets like visibly miffed and says like, I'm tired of talking about that. I'd rather talk about, and there was this pause. And in my mind, the pause got much bigger and I'm like, oh good, I hope you're gonna talk about why this is an empowering move and what, how your life has gotten better and how you're more incongruent so that I can understand what this is and like have more compassion and empathy because you're inviting me into your experience in a way that allows me to feel it. But what actually came out of Laverne's mouth next was the immediate recitation of all these statistics of how many trans people kill themselves, how many trans people are violently attacked. And that's totally like the woke program is like just start citing victimhood statistics. And in that moment, I just I, my heart sank and I'm like, oh, and here's the op. And now here's how this whole narrative has just been delivered to the American public feel sorry for these people for being treated so badly without an ounce of like actually explaining, empowering or uplifting what is good about this in a human way. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a license to be cruel. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, well, now you're telling me all these statistics about why they're attacked and beaten up, which in, none of that had been in my consciousness before that anyone would have ill will or resent it. But now you're putting that right. in my mind and now that's spreading. And I just saw in that instance, like how the whole thing um, was a huge you know, enslavement control opt and op and it was and then I wrote my article and then I was like smeared on Twitter as like a transphobic hate monger and <laughs> then I was fired from reality sandwich and you know, then that thing happened. Wow, yes. I I personally don't want to know about anybody's sex life. I don't care if you're hetero or homo. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to think about it. No, it's no one's business. Like I remember, you know, 20 years ago seeing the like, it was, it, I think it was before the rainbow, but it was like some kind of, you know, logo that I, you know, I was seeing on bumper stickers on people's cars. And it was like, I don't need to know what hole you like it in. Like, it's really no, right. like just live your life. Who cares? Yeah. I'm not telling you what my, what my preferences are. It's really no one's business. Exactly. And it, and it's so regressive for and i you know it's obviously an op to link trans with the gay community and and i feel like the gay community is just used as body armor for the fucktards in the grossest way but um it's like the fact that now it's become front so prominent and people lead with these things it's like if that's the most interesting thing about you then like you really have some character development to do like <laughs> go get a life if you have nothing more interesting to tell me about you absolutely <laughs> yep they are a permanent victim class and that's how you keep this propaganda rolling yes everyone has to be a victim and that's why like if everything that i put out freeman nothing gets more shadow banned or censored than when i share tools and techniques for people to empower themselves like yeah. that's what they really don't want people having access to 
Absolutely. What would be some of the things that you might share as we wrap up this first hour? We got a little wild, but. Cool. Um, I mean, anything regarding my propaganda course, you know, of course, or, or my, my illustrated guide to propaganda, um, teaching people about, you know, languaging habits that disempower us. Like very simple. If you invite me out for tea and I say, I can't go to tea, I have to work, right? I've just disempowered myself to these obligations. I can't go to tea, right? So the coding in that is like, I have no agency over my life, but there's some external authority that won't allow me to go to tea with you, right? Every time I say I can't do something, I am activating the frequency bands of disempowerment and victimhood in my own body and you know in our collective reality construct when i say i have to go to work i'm denying the fact that i choose to go to work because i choose to have income because i choose to have you know electricity food in the fridge etc cetera, etc cetera. like again i'm denying all of my agency in that and i'm a victim to having to work having to do this thing so you know think of how many times a day we will disempower ourselves by saying can't or have to. And every time we do that, we're degrading our own sovereign agency because we're tuning ourselves to those frequency bands, like in an, in an aggregate, right? We think of like, well, what, what frequencies are, are coding our reality in a day? Like every word has its own unique frequency. So if the preponderance of my habitual languaging and communication is, is, you know, uh, unconsciously communicating uh, victimhood, lack of agency, um, you know, lack, limitation, whatnot, then that's how my life is going to shape itself. You know, that's how that's how creation works in this realm. It's responding to our thoughts and our words. And if our thoughts and our words are coded with disempowerment in these really sneaky, nuanced ways, then we find ourselves trapped in these lack, love, luster, disempowered lives. Um, and, you know, during hard, well, we had really hard lockdowns here in New Mexico. I was teaching these kind of, you know, secret language of sovereign authority workshops in town and teaching people how it doesn't matter what the mandates are or what the laws are. You can use your language to claim your sovereign authority in every moment. And not only will, will you be walking through the world with that feeling of unfuckwithable empowerment, but other people will respond to that. And that, you know, that's a big piece that I learned during these lockdowns was how many people like to be told what to do and not make decisions for themselves. So I learned how to hack that by carrying myself with so much authority that I would tell the guards who would try to tell me that I have to wear a mask. Oh, no, I don't. You know, I have exemptions. You're cool. And and just by the way that I was using language and the, you know, the frequency that I was emanating, now they would start to take orders from me because they're order followers. Yep. That is the God's honest truth, folks. If you figure this out, you really can control your existence and have amazing, miraculous events open up to you that you wouldn't even expect because of your attitude. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I've, I've done that same thing, Danny, where I, I, I'll walk into concerts. And I, you know, I know, I know that there's just a, an hourly wage person standing there at the gate and that they don't really mm -hmm. know anything. And I'll flash a fake badge. You know, it might say all access on it. You know, I laminated it before I got there. I might even just take their own sticker and put it on my shirt and be like, yep, I'm authority. Don't worry about me. And I'll walk right into every concert. And it has always worked. Nice. I love that. And then it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's practice because you have to have the right attitude and, and it has to be like fully embodied, right? It yes. can't be like 99% of you f is on board. It has to be 100%. And so that's where, you know, the quantum languaging comes in because we're using words all day, every day. Even if we're not, you know, talking to other people, we're thinking in words. So when we're thinking and speaking in words that are just affirming our sovereign authority 24-7, then when we get in those situations, like we're completely impervious. You know, there are no cracks in our agency. And then you realize like how malleable this world is for those who are empowered, for those who understand that we're creating this, you know, and then, and then it gets really fun.
Yes. And that is the biggest secret. That is what they know. And with exactly. the powers of media and, and the ability to just you know, broadcast everywhere, it makes it all the bigger. But that is the biggest secret, folks. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. So when I when I share those little, you know, just those tiny hacks moving from I can't have tea with you today, today to I'm already scheduled, you know, how about Thursday? Um, those are the things that the, the powers that were who are, you know, the thought police assigned to my social media accounts go the distance to suppress. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious because the one that I combat uh, the one that the one thought the words that that really affect me the most are should have, could have, and would have. All past, all regret. Yes. Yeah, there's nothing present moment about that, um, and it's also bullying ourselves, right? Because uh -huh. it's like there's a there's an aspect like as you say that Freeman, I'm thinking of like nine year old you on your crystal ball, right? And the aspect of you telling him like you fucked up, you did it wrong, right? Instead of understanding like, no, like every, our earthwalks are perfect in their imperfection. And it's like, okay, great. I, you know, I wish I'd done that differently. How would I, how will I do it differently next time and stop thinking about it? You know, now just move forward. And a lot of times I'll use this, this spatial reference to describe the work that I do in the world where it's like, it's two things. Um, I guide people to stop looking behind them and to just look forward. Yeah. And I guide people to stop reaching outside of themselves and to just reach inward. And that's it. Like two, two tiny spatial adjustments change your entire, entire paradigm of incarnation. Yes, but they require constant attention because your, your mind will consistently go back to the programming. Totally. It, it, it takes constant vigilance. And, and I feel like that's where you know, it, it requires upgrades. Like we can't just tell our mind, don't do that other thing that's bad for us. We have to give it something else to do, which is like, you know, for me, I talk to myself all day, every day. I'm like that crazy lady who's like singing to herself, you know, in the car, in the market and like deliberately implanting positive thoughts and positive vibrations in my mind because left to its own accord, um it's gonna do some <laughs> it has had a tendency in the past to work against me so it's not just you know telling my mind to be quiet it's giving it constructive things like making up silly songs about how wonderful i am and my life art is yeah one interesting thought experiment that i tried a few times uh, it's fun because when you're on the road, I guess you can do more things uh, like this. You would just interact more or do things. But uh, trying to remove the word I out <gasps> of your dialogue for a yes! day. It's just even a day. Try not to say I. And, and watch how hard it is. <laughs> and see how you have to rearrange your language to state things uh, as, a, you know, as a statement instead of an I did this. It, it really takes some some you know mental juggling to, to do it, but it's a, an amazing training tool. It's such an amazing training tool. And I'm, I, I have two things on it. Like one is I feel like a really helpful technique is to start with a verb, like an ING. So, you know, like, um, so enjoying dialoguing with you, Freeman, you know? So it's like enjoying or loving this conversation. You know, I'll just start with the verb and the eyes kind of implied. But I'm curious to know for you, like what benefits do you see and experience from removing I out of your lexicon? Yeah, it removes you from the entire scenario so that your ego doesn't play a role into what you're sharing with that other person. You actually have to describe the event or describe uh, the thing without or an emotion even without it being for you and without the attention coming to you. Right. You yeah. It's depersonalizing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of that. I, um, I love Krishnamurti and I've, you know, I've spent some chunks of time watching his videos and he's, he's such a great example for me because I've heard him in talks where he'll he'll state something with an I and then he'll catch himself mid sentence and he'll cut himself off and he'll restate the sentence without the I. 
Right. And I, it's just so, it's so beautiful to see that kind of humility in, you know, such an, an expansive awakened master and that permission that he was modeling for people who are tracking him that like, it's okay to, you know, catch ourselves and, and restate it in to. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to yeah. not do it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You try and go even three days without saying, I, good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> And, and you're going to say it and you're going to catch yourself and then you're going to learn how to restate things. Yeah, exactly. And just see like what a what a relief it is to remove ourselves from the center of every freaking conversation and equation. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a relief. It's like, oh, the world doesn't revolve around me or my stupid feelings or preferences. Thank God. <laughs> yes. Well, let's tell everybody how they can get involved with pop propaganda, this uh, live version that you've got coming up. Uh, Thank when is you. it and how do they get involved? Awesome. Yeah, so it starts this coming Wednesday, April 12th. It runs through June 14th. It's um, 10 weeks every Wednesday from 11 to 12, 15 p.m. Mountain time. Uh, there is still space left. This is the last time I'm ever going to be teaching this particular class live. People can register at dannycats.com slash pop prop course. So that's P-O-P-P-R-O-P-C-O-U-R-S-E. Or if you just go to dannycats.com, there's a very obvious tab at the top of the page um, that gives the full course description and easy links to sign up. Fantastic. And of course, the links will be right here for you so that you don't have to remember. And uh, just come on over to freemantv.com and have a look and get, dig deep. I mean, it's been a good 20 years we've been covering this stuff and getting deep. So uh, don't be afraid of old shows. Please go dig deep. Go scroll down to the front of that page and just start from the bottom and work your way up through the 20 years. Uh, <laughs> but don't miss out on this. And I've always got to give love to associate producer Steve. Steve, Woo! yeah, we love you, Steve. We do. Oh my God, what a guy! So uh, good, such a special one. So, if you want to help Steve out and help us find more great guests or show topics that you want to hear about, please uh, write producer Steve at freemantv.com. Give many thoughts and feelings and ideas that you've got. We're constantly seeking new talent, new understandings, and new ways to look at the world. And it is just a fascinating thing. I, I love that this ended up being my life. I, again, like I was saying earlier, had no intention or even a, an inkling of what I was going to do with my existence. And I love that the universe formed uh, this for me and that I was bold enough to jump into it. So... It always takes you, guys. It takes you to to be bold, to have the sovereignty, and to be able to stand up and say, yes, I will do that. And then just let it go and see where it goes. And, and I hope that we can defeat this propaganda. It's it's really disheartening to watch. It's It's really hard to see all these minds just get tied up in all of the wrong thoughts and the wrong feelings and the wrong adjustments and just knowing that this is going on and witnessing it live now in such a massive way it's it's something i, I hope everyone listening will will get family and friends to go over to dannycats.com and uh, sign up for this this, this is this is it this is the tool that matters the rest thanks is freeman air yeah, I'm so with you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So I hope you all will come over to freemantv.com and please tell all your friends that the free zone is still on the air. I know we've been banned and shadow banned and thrown to the wind, um, cast that aside, but you know, it's it's still here on the website, freemantv.com. I've also moved over to Rockfin slash freemantv. Uh, rockfin.com slash freeman tv you'll get all my early videos all my my documentaries all the video footage and stuff that i worked on is there at rockfin and then i'm also have now moved to rumble uh, so that we can start getting a little bit of attention there so i i'm waiting for more and more people to subscribe on the rubber rumble channel 
so that uh, I can start putting out more videos on there too. So right now we're putting the podcast on Rumble and keeping that going, just building it up. So yeah, they may cast us to the wind, but we don't stop. <laughs> just keep going and build up great ways to, to get this information out. So thank you all. And we will see you next week. Thank you.